Welcome to the Realty Podcast, where Jillian and Catherine Hyde, Vegas dwellers and real estate sellers. Want the Realty on Realty? Let us pour you a cup. Learn all about the ins and outs of Las Vegas and how to set yourself up for financial success. Thanks for tuning in. Let's sip some tea. Hello and welcome back to the Realty Podcast. I am joined with Catherine Hyde, a seasoned realtor, and today we are discussing realtor jargon, their vocabulary, and things that really could go over your head. I know these words go over my head all the time. So let's do a quick refresher course and just run through common real estate words and uh, their definitions and how they apply to you. So let's get started. I'm ready. Pre-approval letter. Is that like a physical piece of paper or a PDF? What is it? It could be both. It's a letter of commitment from your bank, whoever's going to let you borrow the money, um, that says that, yes, Jilly qualifies for this amount of money under these loan terms. And it acts as a, a, a collateral to show that you are able to make the purchase. It backs up your offer, basically. Absolutely. It's short of you showing someone a wad of cash for your purchase. Right. That's the next best thing. So if you're purchasing with cash, do you still need a pre-approval letter? You would show a financial statement, which could be a bank statement that shows you have enough of a balance to make your purchase or a financial statement like your retirement account or a investment account. Interesting. Okay. So now moving on, lender title Realtor. That's basically your team. What does that entail? What is that necessarily? The realtor is the real estate agent. Realtor is the association of any real estate agent who's a member of the Las Vegas Association of Realtors. And it's a term that's interchanged often, but they're two separate things. That's the the real estate agent is the individual who represents your side of the transaction. They right. negotiate and advocate on your behalf. The lender is the bank who's going to help you finance the purchase. The title company. And title and escrow, I'm going to add one in there. Title and escrow are terms that are interchanged. Title insurance is often provided by a title company. And that's an insurance policy that confirms that the title for the property is clean and clear and that house belongs 100% to you. Nobody else could make any claims to it. Escrow is also usually the same company. um, And escrow is the... Period, the transaction is handled by a third party who follows the written instructions from everybody. That's the escrow company. They handle uh, uh, all the processes of the transactions and as an impartial third party who just executes what they're told. So they receive instructions from the buyer through their agent. They receive instructions from the seller through their agent. They receive instructions from the bank through the lender. And then they execute all those instructions. And they also provide that title insurance. Interesting. Okay, so the realtor helps you find your home, and the lender helps you fund your home. So they're the two people that you mainly work with, Correct. right? Title deals with the legality. They make sure you own the home, and escrow just facilitates all these processes. Oh, you made it so much simpler. You do get it. Wow, it clicked. (laughs) Great. So moving on, mortgage rate. What even is a mortgage? (laughs) (laughs) So that when the bank lends you that money, that's called a mortgage. That loan is a mortgage. And the rate is the interest rate that you're going to pay. Right Right. now, they're very low. So we're hearing 3%, two and three quarters. So for every $100 that you borrow, you pay, if it's 3%, $3 in interest. Okay, cool. And then moving on, HOA. 
homeowners association. Right, and that only applies in certain instances, correct? Right, it applies almost always in condominiums and townhomes and in some, um, some residences, some houses, sometimes in some buildings, like investment buildings. It's uh, an association of homeowners, property owners. They've formed this, this association in order to share common area costs, whether that's amenities like a common area pool, a park, a barbecue area, a dog park. It's a, oftentimes it's a gate, a gated community. Right. So everybody shares the expense of maintaining those common area amenities. Okay, interesting. And then CMA, what is that? That's a comparative market analysis. When we make an offer or when we're going to list a property for sale, we want to make sure that we're charging a fair price for the property or that you're paying a fair price for the property. So a seller will review a comparative market analysis with our help in order to establish a fair and competitive asking price. When you're the buyer, you want to review a comparative market analysis to make sure that you're paying a fair and asking for a fair price for your home. Right. Okay. Interesting. And so moving forward more into the home buying process, down payment. Down payment is your skin in the game. So for example, if you're buying a property and you're borrowing some money, uh, you go get a conventional mortgage, um, you can get that with as little as 3% down payment. What that means is if you're borrowing $100,000, 3%, $3,000 comes out of your pocket and the other $97,000 is borrowed from the bank. That down payment is what you put out of your pocket. Interesting. And down payment only comes after an offer is put in place, right? Yes. You don't have to pay any money um, until, until we have an executed contract. You will have to put in an earnest money deposit when we're under contract. Let's say your deposit is $1,000. And this is my example of 100 right. And your down payment will be 3%. So you've put in a deposit, that's your good faith deposit, that's $1,000, and your down payment will be 3% or $3,000. That $1,000 is applied towards that $3,000. So at the end of the transaction, when we're closing, right before you get your keys, you would put in the difference, which would be $2,000. Right. So does that count as closing costs? Closing cost is different. So Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's in addition to the down payment. So down payment is your skin in the game. You borrow some money from the bank and you put your down payment. Closing costs are all the other expenses associated with purchasing a home. For example, your inspection, your appraisal, uh, what the bank charges you for giving you that loan. Mm -hmm. All of those little fees that add up are commonly referred as one lump amount of closing costs. When you do the transaction, um, your, your agent and the title company through escrow will be able to provide you an itemization of what that is. Interesting. And so you mentioned a few other words we need to get into. (laughs) Inspection, appraisal, contingency, and this all happens in the escrow period? Let's dive in. (laughs) So we have a house that we like, we wrote an offer, we've negotiated, and we have a done deal. The seller and the buyer have signed on the dotted line. We have an we now have an escrow, we have an agreement. And the escrow period is the period of time in which we're gonna do all of the stuff that we need to do right before we sign our closing docs and get our keys, right. if you're a buyer or deliver keys if you're the seller. During that escrow period, that time frame, you're going to do inspections. And that's 
anything that you want to do to make sure that you're satisfied with the property. We want to make sure that nothing's leaking, that everything is in good working order, that there isn't anything unseen hidden behind the wall. So those are inspections and you do that during your due diligence contingency. You also, as part of your contract, especially if you're financing, will have an appraisal contingency, which is a period of time in which you do an appraisal inspection. That focuses mainly on verifying that the value of the home is fair value in line with the market. Then, um, so you said, uh, I'm just looking at your notes to make sure. Appraisal contingency. Right. So our contract creates a timeline for everything to get done. That's our escrow. Within that escrow, we have contingencies, which are windows of time under which we are all agreeing that certain things must happen. So the first contingency is due diligence. That's for inspections. We've got to make sure we're satisfied with the home. The next common contingency is the appraisal contingency, where the appraisal report has to get done and we have to review it and confirm that the property is worth what it's supposed to be. So the property matches the list price or the price that you agreed upon. Fair market value and the agreed price and that it's in usually the condition that the loan will require. Right. And um, the last contingency that's usually in a contract is the loan contingency. So that means you must have full loan approval by that date. Those contingencies are hard dates that you've agreed to in your contract. You have to do certain things within those windows of time. Right. And if those contingencies are not met, that would renege the offer? It, there would be some sort of action, uh, subsequent action that happens. So, for example, due diligence. We must make sure we're satisfied with the property within that amount of time. If we're not, that's when we can cancel and your earnest money comes back and it's refunded. Um, appraisal contingency. The property has to be worth what you're paying for it. If it's not, if it's worth too little, then we need to resolve that problem. And we need to do it within that time frame so that um, your earnest money is refundable. If we wait too long and we allow a contingency to expire, the penalty is usually you forfeit your earnest money deposit. Right. So you need an agent who's really on top of everything. You need to have an experienced team with uh, contractors that can help you, whether that's an air conditioning inspector, property inspector, a pool inspector, just to make sure that you right. check everything within your contingency windows. And so after you finish your contingencies, the house is all good, you're ready to buy it, that's when closing costs come into play, correct? Right. So that that means your loan is approved, we're ready to settle up, sign the, the mortgage documents and pay the remaining balance. That will be the remaining balance of the down payment minus the deposit that you've already put into escrow and the closing costs, which is all the common related expenses with purchasing the home. What it's really insurance, taxes, transfer taxes, um, what you're going to pay the lender, whatever points you may have had to pay. Right. Interesting. Okay. And so you mentioned homeowners insurance. And um, I believe a warranty is the same thing. What is is there a difference between them? What is it? Is it so homeowners insurance usually protects your home from any major damage. It's like a hazard liability insurance. So if if there were to be uh, a flood, you, you may have coverage for that. If there, um, sometimes you you add liability insurance in there so that if something happens in your home, you're protected. Um, The warranty is different. The warranty is a policy that's usually a year long, and that protects you from repairs on the mechanical systems of the home. 
So for example, your, your insurance policy would help you in case of a fire, mm -hmm. right? Um, you would be able to make a claim and there would be repairs. Or if there's a flood or things, any major damage right. to the home and its contents. Your warranty would help you if um, the air conditioning stops working or if one of your stove burners stops working in your kitchen. Um, it, it's a smaller item that's normally considered regular maintenance items. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can buy coverage for your pool pump or the pool heater stops working, nice. those kind of things. Okay, interesting. And so utilities... What are they? I know you need to transfer them. What does it necessarily entail? <laughs> well, that's everything that you need to have connected to the house to work. So the power bill, the water bill, the gas, all of those monthly expenses are in the previous owner's names, and now they need to be transferred to the new owners. Right. Or if you're the seller, you need to cancel them. If you're the buyer, you need to transfer them to your name. The reason you hear transfer is because you would rather have a transfer than establishing a brand new service, especially if it's a gas um, appliance. You have to be there to make sure somebody's able to turn it on. And right. it's much easier to just transfer the service than to have to spend an entire day waiting for the tech to come over. Right. And you have a concierge that does a lot of transferring for your clients, right? We do. I'm so glad you said that. So we have a full-time concierge who's able to help our clients during escrow because there's a bunch of tiny little things that, that have to be transferred over or, or that you want to get quotes for. Your insurance, the warranty. Which warranty company do you want to use? They're not all the same. You may want to have extra coverage because you have a big Rottweiler or because you have a pool and you plan on using the specification or a rental, whatever. So our concierge is able to help you getting quotes for all of those services. And as an added bonus, really anything that you might need. Do you need a painter? We have people for that. Do you need a cleaning person? Do you need us to help you transfer the utilities themselves? Absolutely, we can help you set up satellite, cable, anything. Nice, okay. So moving on from utilities. This is a lot. Um, <laughs> HUD. HUD. What is that? I've heard that often. What does that necessarily entail? It's a federal agency, housing, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. It's um, a federal agency in, meant to assist with housing. Cool. And so FHA, that does basically the same thing, correct? It's another, so it's the Federal Housing Administration. And a long time ago in the 80s, back before you existed. Um, it was very expensive to buy a home. You needed 20% down or more. And the reason you needed so much money was because um, that was just what was common practice. And if you had any less, you were considered high risk. So banks wouldn't want to lend you money or it would be super expensive. Interest rates at the time were crazy high too. So uh, the government established this agency that, that basically told banks, banks, if you lend money to people, um, with low with a low down payment, we will insure the, the the mortgage. Meaning, if if the borrower defaults, the government was going to provide some sort of assurance for that lender, so that they would be willing to take on the risk. So you'll hear FHA mortgages uh, are, are widely available, and they're mainly used for first time home buyers. The reason is because the government wants to encourage home ownership, and so in exchange for the bank giving you a three and a half percent down low down payment mortgage, the government promises that they will cover the bank's losses if there's a problem. So it's a, a form of mortgage insurance being offered to those lenders. Nice. So FHA is the reason why purchase home so easy now, basically. It's definitely one of the programs that make home ownership very affordable. Nice. Good to hear. And so let's get into appreciation and equity. 
So appreciation is the difference from what you pay for the home and what it's worth later. That increase in price is your gain. Whatever right. it used to be worth something and now it's worth more, that that equity, that is your appreciation. Cool. So if I purchase something for $5 and it go, it now sells for $10, I have $5 in equity, basically. You have $5 in equity and your home has appreciated by $5 or 100%, right? Nice. Okay, so moving on. Turnkey. When purchasing a home, a turnkey option is nice. What does turnkey entail? It means you go to your home, you turn the key, and everything is ready for you. You rarely have to make any improvements. Um, I bring... A, a home with all the appliances installed and, and freshly painted clean, that would be considered a turnkey home. Uh, an investment property, a property that has been rehabbed, right? If, if it's ready to rent or ready to have somebody move in, that's what turnkey commonly refers to. Nice. Okay. And then one last word, PMI. Private mortgage insurance. So back to the FHA example. Right. There are now conventional loan programs that will take less than 20%. 15%, 10%, 5%. Anytime it's less than 20% down payment, you're going to pay, you have an expense that's called PMI, private mortgage insurance, which is an insurance policy that protects the bank against your the risk of your, the borrower defaulting. Interesting. So that doesn't really apply to the buyer so much. It's more on the lender's end, right? It applies to the borrower and the lender. It, the borrower will require you to have a private mortgage insurance policy that you are going to pay for it as a borrower in your monthly payment. It'll be included in there. Interesting. Okay. That's so the higher your down payment, the less your that expense will be because you're less risk. Nice. And so with this all, you can basically get an estimate before you even purchase the home of what your monthly payment will be to see if it's feasible, correct? Yes. You would call us. We would say we're looking for at a house of 200 and another house of 250 and we're able to itemize all of these expenses. Nice. That's good to hear. And so now on the investor end, Let's get into some more uniquely investor vocab words like cap rate. <laughs> that, I feel like I'm in school. Um, that is the capitalization rate, and it is used to measure one investment versus another. So you could be looking at a house and it's really pretty and it's three bedrooms, two baths with a pool. And then you could be also looking at a series of apartments that are not as big or as fancy as the house. And how do you compare them when they're different uh, products? Um, the way you would compare them is you look at the capitalization rate, which is simply put, it's the net operating income divided by the cost of that property. So you can figure this house makes this much money. This is how much it's going to cost me versus this, the same numbers on the next part. And then you can compare them against one another. Right. So is this like on a scale of one to 10? It's a percentage. Oh, it's a percentage. So yes. the higher the percentage, the better the investment is. Correct. Yes. Nice. Interesting. And so value add, value added. What is value it? Add. Value you add. Usually, I, I usually hear that from a prospective investor who wants to, they, they, they will call and they'll say, I'm looking for a value add investment. And, and by that, they often mean that they want something where they can come in and, and make some improvements, add mm -hmm. a little bit of sweat equity and have the opportunity to add value to what they've purchased and make a profit. So you could buy an investment, a house that needs some repair, uh, clean it up, fix it up, get a tenant that's paying more. That's the value that you've added. In theory, the property's worth more now. Interesting. Okay. And so 
upside. That's the potential, right? That's the upside of you taking a risk in an investment. So that's that's interchangeable with value add. I often hear I want I want something with an upside. The upside could be again what improvements you could make, or it could be something like uh, rent increasing. Sometimes you have owners that have had a property for a really long time and they haven't increased rents. So it could be as simple as slowly raising rents. That could be an upside. Interesting. Okay. So now NOI, debt service, cash flow. (laughs) So going back to uh, when you're looking at an investment property, you have to analyze different things to make sure that it's a viable investment. And there are different ways of measuring how profitable or what or how good this investment could be. The NOI is an acronym for net operating income. So it's the gross income. So all the money that you collect, take away your operating expenses, which are your utilities, your maintenance, insurance. Uh, It's all the expenses related to running your investment, except your mortgage payments. Uh, That's NOI, net operating income. Debt service is what it costs you to pay back your mortgage. So if you, you could buy your investment all cash, but if you take out a mortgage, you're going to have your gross income, then you take out expenses, then you have your net operating income, and from then you're going to have to pay back the bank. So that's your debt service. Uh, and then you said cash flow. So cash flow is the amount of money that you have left. Right. So if you get gross $10,000 a month, you have $2,000 worth of expenses, that leaves you a net operating income of $8,000, but then you have to pay the bank back 5000 your cash flow would be $3,000. Interesting, which is still a good return. <laughs> and so cash on cash return. Another way to measure an investment. So to buy this investment, you're going to spend in cash your down payment and your closing costs, right? That's your Those two numbers added up, that's your total cash out of pocket to get into the property. And at the end of the year, your cash flow costs, going back to our $3,000 net cash flow example, at the end of the year, that would be $36,000. If it took $100,000 cash to get into this property and it makes $36,000 of cash flow, it would be the $36,000 divided by the total cash in. That's your cash on cash return. And you want the higher return. That's where you can see double digit returns. Cool. And so another thing that does apply to investors is a property manager or property management. That's not for every investor, but what does that necessarily entail? It's uh, an individual or a company licensed by the Nevada Real Estate Division, specifically licensed for managing properties. So they their job is could be as uh, however you to define it, but they're licensed in order to find a tenant, um, collect rents, provide you an accurate accounting. Uh, there's a different set of rules for property manager, but they the gross term is they manage the property. Right. And you can serve as your own. You manager. can do your own. Yes. Yes. And this is like you would hire someone to basically by proxy, like do all that for you. Correct. And that individual should be licensed by the real estate division. Right. And they would take a chunk out of your cash flow, right? <laughs> they do charge, obviously, a fee for their services. And it could be a percentage for mm-hmm. a full service agency anywhere 8 to 10% is what I see commonly. Or it could be a flat fee. Like maybe you hire somebody only to answer the phone when something's wrong, right? I don't know. Right. Like water heater stops working or something like that. Or you hire somebody full service to find you a tenant, make sure the tenant is happy in the unit, answer the phone when something goes wrong, um, uh, you know, collect the rents, pay for the expenses, give you the owner an accounting. 
Um, it could be as much or as little as you want. Usually the ones that are less are just flat fees. Interesting. So property management is definitely more customizable and not necessary depending on your situation and what you want. That's true. So that's good to hear for investors. And so I think that wraps up. It's a huge list. Yeah, we got through a lot of vocabulary. And if you have more questions on words and things and homes, always contact Catherine or any of our people on the Hyde Real Estate Group. And uh, with that, Realty listeners, I think I need to take a nap. So <laughs> Me too. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. And yeah, contact us if you have any more questions. Yes, please. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Want more realty? Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Check out HideRealEstate.com for more real estate opportunities. And as always, stay thirsty.